Hi, my name is Victor, and welcome to the Spring Break edition of the USC Christian Challenge podcast. Your mind is not always telling you the truth. Now, when we realize that how we think shapes how we live, we are more motivated to examine our thoughts. We know we need to change, but often we don't get to the root issue. So learning to recognize and capture our thoughts is essential for experiencing the abundant life that Jesus offers us. God's word instructs us in how to win the war in our minds. Okay guys, welcome. We're going to get started. Welcome, welcome everyone. This is about your thoughts, so if you're in the wrong place, you will not hurt my feelings. I really didn't think anybody would come. I thought you would all be the dating one. <laughs> like, no one's coming to this. They're all wanting to learn about dating. But I'm glad you're here. I am... I am by no means an expert in this area at all. I have read some helpful books, had conversations with people, but I'm very much in the trenches alongside you guys. So I'm going to give you guys some helpful resources that have really helped me, um, some recommendations at the end, and and we'll be here a whole week if you have any questions. I'm no no expert. Um, But thankfully, in my experience, I've learned some things. And one thing that I really struggle with, I'm not sure if you guys can relate to that, is really even recognizing the lie in my mind. Like, I don't even realize that it's a lie. I just think it's just this thought, this benign thought, but really it's a lie from the enemy. In fact, that is how the enemy is known, as a liar and the father of lies. Jesus actually refers to him as, as that in John eight forty four. Speaking of the enemy, Jesus said, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the devil is able to plant ideas in our minds, and they don't come with like bright, glaring neon lights that are like flashing that's like, lie, 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 don't believe me, not at all. It's subtle, it's believable, it's plausible, and we just embrace it and let it sink in, take root. And actually, in my, what I've done oftentimes is water it and allow it to grow and nurture it and just gets bigger and bigger and does more and more damage in my own life and to those around me. So hopefully you're here because you can relate to that and want to grow in this area. And I hope this will be very helpful to you. By God's grace, it will. So as we talked about, lying is as old as time itself. When we think back to creation, uh, that's how the enemy tempted Eve. Does anyone have their Bible with them and be willing to read out loud with a really loud voice? Genesis 3, 1 through 11. Genesis 3, 1 to 11. Any takers? Oh, thank you. I know it's hard at the very beginning, all those little pages. All right. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. For the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. But I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Thank you. So I really want us to major on that last verse, verse 11. When God said to Adam and Eve, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? Every day we live out of the truth that we believe about ourselves, what you and I believe about ourselves, what we believe about God, what we believe about other people. You know, for instance, it's easy to think, you know, God doesn't care about me or like 
they are so privileged. Like I can't relate to that kind of upbringing at all or, or I'm a failure. Like, where do I go from here? How do I ever recover from this? But the question that God asked Adam and Eve is one that the Holy Spirit can ask us today and be really helpful. Aaron, who told you that you are a failure? Who told you, Aaron, that bad things never happen to good people? Who told you you're never going to recover from this? Who told you that, right? So every who told you that needs to be traced back to God, right? Did God tell you that? Is that a truth from God and from his word? Oftentimes the answer is no. God did not tell me that I was a failure. That's not a word that God would ever whisper in my ear at all. And so you and I need to begin practicing each day, like examining our thoughts and thinking through the things that we're thinking and what we tell ourselves, reviewing them, praying through them, inviting God in, asking him to reveal the lies. Because like I shared with you before, I have a really hard time recognizing the lies that the enemy plants in my mind. So if we give some time to thinking about these specific thoughts that we begin to dwell on and begin to take root in our heart, then we can isolate them, we can identify them, and we can use this powerful tool from God that the Holy Spirit can use in our life. Aaron, who told you that? And recognize, okay, God did not tell me that I'm a failure. God did not tell me that he can't redeem this situation. God didn't say that. So when we can identify it, that has to be from the Father of life. That's his native tongue. Then we know how to fight the war in our minds, right? So every who told you that needs to be traced back to God and his word. It has to be congruent with scripture and who God is, or it needs to be tossed, right? We need to get rid of that thought. So we have to kind of step back. It's almost like, I don't know if you can do this, stepping out of your mind, it's not physically possible, right? But if you can use your imagination and just imagine you looking inside your mind, these thoughts that you're thinking, and where has sin gotten its grip in your mind, right? Because whenever sin gets its grip, that's when we fall and we fall hard. And usually it's traced back to a lie that we believe almost every single time. And if we can't answer who told you that with God, then we need to get rid of that thought. So it's important to recognize that a war really does rage in our minds each and every day. I was just talking to Amy from Chico, and she said that over Christmas break, they read this great book called Winning the War in Your Mind, which is exactly what we're doing is we're working to be victorious and winning this battle in our mind. And so when we recognize that we're in a battle, then we kind of know how to fight. Otherwise, we're like, what is going on? It shouldn't be this hard. Have you ever thought that? I think that's why is it this hard? Life should not be this hard. Well, it's because we're in a war. There's a battle going on for your soul and for your minds. So the enemy of our souls has really no intention of letting you win this battle easily. No, no. He knows that he can take more ground the more lies that you and I believe in our mind. So he doesn't play fair. We've got to recognize that, right? He doesn't play fair. So we have to use the weapons that God has given us to fight back with. So hopefully during our time together today that you'll see that really our minds can be places that are deep and that are dark places. And the enemy wants us to live there. He wants us to live in these deep, dark places and really stop us from gaining any traction and freedom that we can can be found in Jesus. So when we're embracing and thinking and living out God's truth, that's going to require work, right? And a lot of times, I don't know you, but by the time I get home, school, work, I'm done. I don't want to think about my thoughts. Like, I just want to be there. I just want to be like someone, please make me dinner. And I don't have to think about anything. From that. I just don't want to think anymore. But when we get lazy with what we think about, the enemy can gain more and more ground, right? So there's a passage I want us to look at today in second Corinthians 10, three through six. Does someone want to read that out loud with their loud outdoor voice? Second Corinthians 10, three through six. So I'd like one of you to read it in your translation. And I'm going to read it in the paraphrase of the message. Thank you, Sam. Two, three through six. Two, Second Corinthians 10, 10. Three through six. Perfect. Thank you. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Thank you. Okay, so the message, which is a paraphrased version, says this. The world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Isn't that fun? I wish I could write like that. Thank you, Eugene Peterson, for the gift of the message. So it is possible, what Paul writes, it is possible to gain victory in our minds. Because of the power of God at work, those of us who are followers of believers have the Holy Spirit's power inside of us to help us fight. So with his help, we can identify, we can dismantle, and we can destroy lies in our mind that have just dominated our thinking and held us captive for a long, long, long time. I have a choice. You have a choice. We are not victims of our thoughts. We have a choice what we think about. We can blame other people. We can blame our upbringing. We can blame our genetics. We can blame, blame, blame. That's not going to get us anywhere, right? We get to choose. And because of Jesus, we have weapons to fight with. We can be conquerors and destroy these strongholds that really have a grip in our heart and mind. So when I was planning this workshop, in my mind, there was a whiteboard here. But there is no whiteboard here. So Victor has this really cool tablet uh, that I want to show you just something that I learned from this book uh, called Getting Out of the Bed. Thank you. So I, I'll walk so you guys can see this. So this is a spiral. You see the spiral? Victor used pink font, I think, in my honor. Um, <laughs> can you see this? I'll, I'll just show it to you and then I'll explain. So this is a spiral that happens to each of us. For me, multiple times throughout the day. <laughs> I'm someone who feels things so, in this spiral, what happens is there is an emotion. Let me turn my page. <clears throat> so, an emotion leads to our thoughts. So, we start the spiral starts with our emotion. So, say it's anger or frustration. That guy took my parking spot. Now I have to look for like 17 more minutes. Or, you know, there's some sort of emotion. You're feeling overwhelmed, anxious. Um, and then that leads to our thoughts. So, that spirals down to the next loop is a thought. So, can you see this? I'm afraid I'm gonna press a button and it's gonna go away. Um, so the next loop is your thoughts. And then, you see, it leads to behavior. So it works, it's the thought, the emotion works its way to thought, thought works its way into behavior. Then it impacts our relationships, that's the next loop-de-loop down, which then leads to the consequence. Does that make sense? The spiral happens. But we don't have to stay in the spiral. We can get out. Do you want this back, Victor? Um, We can get out of the spiral. With God's help. Remember, you and I have a choice. Sorry, this thing is just jingle jangling. Um, What you and I allow to fill our thoughts is a choice that we make. So if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you are no longer a slave to passions and lusts and desires and all sorts of things, but you have the Spirit of God in you, which enables you to choose what you think about. You and I have a choice. So how we think directly impacts how we live, as seen in that spiral. What seems like no big deal really ultimately works its way out into our lives. It impacts not only ourselves, but our relationships. So it's kind of overwhelming when you read um, that or verse that Sam read to us, you're like, taking every thought captive, like, how in the world? <laughs> like, I don't have time for that. You know, I have to go to class with me. So maybe we'll start focusing on one. Take one thought captive. 
today. Work on just taking one thought at a time. Instead of thinking, I have to take all my thoughts captive right now in the next you know, week at Hume, whatever. Just work on, maybe there's one that just repeats itself again and again in your mind. Like, I'm a failure. I don't have any friends. I don't know. It could be anything. Whatever you, whatever it is that God, pray and ask God to reveal, what is a thought that just keeps getting tangled up again and again and again? And so focus on that because it's really interesting when you read the science behind your brain, which I'm not a scientist. I don't know much, but what I've read is that we really can restructure our brain in some ways by the way we think. And so we've got these neurotransmitters at work. We can rewire some things in our brain by choosing to think differently. That's incredible. That's the power it got at work saying, no, no, Aaron, you are not a victim to how you think. You can be an overcomer and you can gain victory in this area in your life. It's been said, tell me what you're thinking and I'll tell you who you are. Like that's the power of our thoughts. So change is possible. Remember, we have a choice. Does anyone have Romans 12, one and two memorized that you could just shout it loud and clear? Romans 12, one and two. One. Okay, do one and someone else. Okay, you can do two, tag team it. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. It is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Very good. Way to go, Team Chico. <laughs> but we are able to transform our lives by renewing our minds. Isn't that incredible? There's hope, guys. So we came here thinking, there's no hope. I'm hopeless. I'm going to be just a victim to my thoughts for the rest of my life. No, no. There is absolutely there's hope. But the battle of our minds is really won as we focus on Jesus again and again and again. Not once in the morning when you wake up, not right before you go to bed, not over a meal thanking God for food, but again and again and again, refocusing our minds on the truth of who God is. So I wanted to show you guys some illustrations that have been helpful. Again, picture the whiteboard right here. Um, This is an idea of of webbing that I got from Jenny Allen. She wrote a book called um, Get Out of Your Head, which I highly, highly recommend. A lot of this stuff is from that book. But so she talks about it's this webbing. So there's like a big circle in the middle, small circles. Like I'll explain this just so you see. I'm a visual learner, so you have a big circle in the middle. And there's some web. Idea. Spider web. We got this, guys. Okay, so when you're having this moment of like, I'm so overwhelmed, or I don't know how this is going to work out, or a, a major emotion, this is super helpful to do. So, step one, you just write in the center of a, just get a blank page of paper, pull it out of the printer, whatever you need to do. Um, the primary, write the primary emotion that you're feeling, and draw a big circle around it. So it could be you're anxious, it could be happy emotion too. Like, I don't know why I would do this if I was happy, but if you're really happy and you want to figure out why you're happy, <laughs> this works really well if you're not happy. Um, so anxious, overwhelmed, distressed, afraid, those kinds of things. So write that in the middle and draw a big circle around it. And then around that large circle, write everything you can think of that's contributing to that emotion. So maybe it's it's work, or maybe it's finances, or maybe it's your parents or your siblings, or maybe it's your roommate. I mean, it could be all sorts of things. And then so you draw smaller, like draw a circle around those words and trace it back to the major word in the middle. Do you get that? The web is beginning to form, friends. Okay, we got this. And then near those small circles, write the factors that are contributing to that emotion. So like maybe your boss scheduled you for work and you had this major assignment due. And so, or and one of your coworkers, like your coworkers are being lame and they're not switching shifts with you and you really need help, like all these different things. Or maybe, you know, I'm trying to think what else could cause you to feel. Um, or maybe your friends, you're just feeling like lonely lately or you're distracted and they don't really care about what's going on with you. They haven't shown interest in your life or asked questions. Like write down those kinds of things too. And they kind of exhaust this. Work on this for a while, exhaust all possibilities. Write it down. It doesn't have to be neat and pretty. This is just for you. And then I would encourage you, you know, the next step is just to take it before God and say, this is what I think. Like, this is what I feel like is going on in my life. 
invite him in to the emotion, to the thoughts, to the feelings that, you, that are just overwhelming you. And ask for his perspective. Ask him to give you insight. Go to his word. Ask him to reveal things through scripture that will be helpful for you to think about as you're trying to process what's going on, figuring out what's going on through this webbing thing. And then the third thing is maybe is take some time after you pray about to kind of look for commonalities. Look for things that are linking together, that are the contributing factors. Is there a theme going on here that maybe the theme is maybe you're really bitter about some things in your life and you just didn't realize it until you got out of it on paper, got it out of your mind and began to make sense of it on paper, right? Or maybe you're just self-critical. I don't know. Maybe you're ashamed of something you did in your past. Like, I don't know. It could be lots of different things. But trying to get more and more to the root of it and asking God for his help and his discernment to see, okay, what is going on inside of me that's causing my thoughts to get all jumbled up? So this exercise really is helpful just to kind of see on a piece of paper what's going on in your mind and bring it before God. Because toxic thinking is really contagious in a lot of areas in our life. And so we want to begin to make progress. And sometimes seeing it on a piece of paper can be really, really helpful. So another practical tool, this has been really helpful for me, um, is sometimes something will happen, like it'll be a negative emotion and then because and then a reason. So for instance, like I'm angry because my mom was rude, right? Or like I'm frustrated because that guy took my parking spot or I don't know, I'm not feeling very creative right now. Um, the internet is down. My life is over. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm at home. I don't know what to do. I can't text my friends. Um, so there's a pattern. So the negative emotion, because, and then the reason. But remember, we're not victims of our thoughts and our emotions. That is not who we are. So we get to choose, right? So this is something to consider. So what if we choose to rewrite? So it's the negative emotion and the reason, so I will choose. So I'm angry because she was rude. So I will choose to meditate on God's kindness to me. Or I'm overwhelmed because I have too much to do. I don't know if this happens at Chico, but I hear this a lot with USC students. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I feel that myself. So I will pause and thank God that he exists outside of time and space. He can make a way and he can provide me with the strength and energy that I need. Right? I'm anxious because the money for rent is due when I get back from Hume. So I will choose to pray and not to fear. Like, does that make sense? So rather than just stop with the emotion and like, ah, invite God into it. So I will choose. I've even said this out loud. Like, it really helps me not just to think it, but to say it. I will choose because the choice is the hard part, right? And then reminding myself, no, no, Aaron, because I like to rehearse things in my mind again and again. No, no, you've chosen that you're going to trust God. So rehearsing it doesn't change. You're choosing to trust God because that gets us out of that spiral, right? So when we choose to trust God, when we choose a different way, we are exiting out of the spiral. And that's ultimately the goal is not to keep spiraling day after day all throughout the day. Because the downward spiral can be really consuming and take up a lot of needless energy because I know you guys have a lot to do. Your really busy lives because the reality is only God knows the full extent to what you're going is going on in your life. Only He can fully understand and invite Him in to help you with this. Because again, He's the Father of lies. He's a liar Himself, so we have to combat with the truth, the truth of Scripture, the truth of who God is, or else we spiral. So again, the whiteboard that's not here, you can draw four quadrants. One, two, three, four. A big square. Squares in the middle. This is great because you're engaging your imagination. This is helpful. I think this will help you learn. If I was a pedagogy major, I would know more about this, but I don't. So we're just going to go with it. Okay, so another helpful tool to use is to ask these four questions. Quadrant one. Use your imagination. Okay, grab the thought. So what is the thought you're thinking? So first thing, grab the thought. By grabbing the thought, it, what is the thought? Does that make sense? Are we good to move on to quadrant two? Quadrant two. What? Wait, say the first question. The first, the first quadrant is grab the thought. What is it? So you could write grab the thought in parentheses, what is it? 
You got it. Quadrant two. <laughs> Diagnose the thought. Quadrant two. Diagnose the thought. In parentheses, is it true? Is it true? One thing you could say, who told you that? That's another thing you could ask. So you've got to diagnose the thought. Is it true? Slash, who told you that? Ready for quadrant three? <laughs> Obadiah. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> um, okay, take it to God. Quadrant three. Take it to God. In parentheses, what does God have to say about it? What does God have to say about it? Quadrant four, we good? Okay. Okay, quadrant four, make a choice. Make a choice. In parentheses, am I going to believe God? Am I going to believe God? And this will be your hardest step. Will you choose to believe God or keep rehearsing that lie again and again? I don't know about you, but a lot of my struggle within my mind is not even real. It's scenarios I run. I was telling you if Lola had nightmares all last night about this ridiculous scenario that was fine, but it literally kept me up all night long. I was like, it was just dumb, you know? And I can see that now that the sun is shining and it's a new day, but in the middle of the night, right? Like things are real and they, they magnify in the night. And so realizing in those scenarios, is this real? What is real? Okay, God is real. God is real. He's on the throne. He can help me in the situation. So realizing what is real and what is false and drawing a distinction between those two. And recognizing that this is going to take a lot of work. A lot of work. Not just like, oh, I went to this workshop once. I wrote down some notes. No, no. Every day you are going to need to put into practice what God's word has to say about winning the war in your mind because you won't gain victory by just like once a year looking at this. It's just not going to happen. So I think of like what's happening in the Ukraine, right? Like these ordinary citizens are defending their country. I mean, blood, sweat, and tears. They're there's a battle going on, and we are so far removed from it in America. It's just you know news articles and read that, but it's very real to them. There is a battle going on in your, your mind, and the enemy does not want you to gain any victory in that area. And so recognizing it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take blood, sweat, and tears in your own life as well. So I would encourage you as I wrap up to invite God in. Invite God in. He's already present in your heart and in your life, if you are a follower of him. So ask him, would you reveal the lies? Honestly, it was interesting. I had a situation where I didn't realize that I had been telling myself this lie since last April. And then all of a sudden I thought about it. I think it was just like a couple months ago, almost a year. And I just didn't even realize. I, When a situation happened, I told myself something. I told myself, you're a failure. And I just was operating out of that for almost an entire year. And if I would have gotten sooner, I think I would have had victory. I know I would have had victory much sooner, but I just didn't even recognize that I was even believing that lie. So inviting God in to reveal the lies and then confess. Confess the lies when he reveals them to you. Confess the lies that you're believing. God, I don't want to believe that about you. I don't want to believe that about other people, about myself. No, help me. And then ask for his help in, in capturing these lies. We are very weak, feeble people, and so we are desperate for his help. And so inviting him in to help you gain victory in these areas. Make a choice. You have to make a choice that are you going to cling to the truth and replace the lies? I heard Beth Moore give this great illustration. Probably, maybe you guys grew up in my house. I'm much older than you guys. My mom had wallpaper in the bathrooms. And um, it was when geese were in style. So we had a little ducks and geese in our house. We were joking about that the other day. I was like, mom. Um, But so Beckmore gets this illustration of like, when you, your mind is wallpapered with all 
these thoughts, a lot of them lies. And so when you want to tear down these lies in your mind, you think, I just need to rip them down, right? Well, you can't just rip, your mind is never blank. Your mind isn't neutral. You've got to replace that wallpaper with the truth of God's word because you can't just rip it down and it stays blank. Not at all. You have to make a choice to replace those lies with truth about who God is and who you are in him. So sometimes you may think, I'm in so deep, I can't even see the truth. I need help. So I would encourage you to be honest with a mentor, a life group leader, a staff member and say, can you help me? I can't even untangle this by myself. Neil often says, you know, thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and the fingertips. So the webbing thing helps, but actually talking about it with a friend who could say, okay, who told you that? You know, that was not from God. That was from someone else. That may be something an uncle told you, your dad, but that may be something said out of great emotion, but that is not true, right? And so inviting other people into the process. And I would encourage you to keep up the fight like in inviting other people in, like, I really want to gain some traction in this area. So will you, you know, set an alarm on your phone every Friday at 12.02 PM, text me and say, how's that going? Or something like that, like helping each other along to believe truth. So one thing I would love for you to remember as I wrap up from today is this, I will direct my thoughts. My thoughts will not direct me. I will direct my thoughts. My thoughts will not direct me. Let's say that together aloud. I will direct my thoughts. My thoughts will not direct me. Okay, so my recommendations as I close. I would say make a habit of memorizing scripture. Memorize it and review it because the reviewing is the hard part. So review, review, review. Saturate your mind with truth so you can recognize the lies. I don't know if you've heard stories about how you know they train bankers to recognize counterfeit money. Well, it's not by like studying counterfeit money because that changes all the time. No, it's by looking at real dollar bills, training them on that. And so you've got, once you know the truth, you can much more easily recognize the lies. So saturating your mind with truth over and over and over again throughout the day, not just compartmentalizing God and his word, but bringing him into all the moments of your day. And I would encourage you to spend time God with God regularly asking him to expose the lies. You know, I think we pray for a lot of things, but this isn't something that we often pray for. And so asking him, would you really reveal the lies that I've believed that I'm not even aware that I'm believing or acting up? I didn't even realize it was a lie. I just thought that was normal. Everybody thinks that, right? Because we all think we're normal. I think I'm normal. And then be like, that's not normal. But no, I want to be normal. Um, no. So helping... God can help us expose um, the lies in our mind. And then being honest with your thoughts. Like you got to be honest with yourself, with God, with other people, letting other people in. Like what Bob was saying together, there's a richness in sharing life with people and letting people in. There's a joy that comes from just deep relationships with people. And lastly, just some books I would recommend. A lot of this I got from Jenny Allen's book, Get Out of Your Head. Highly recommend that one. Um, Like I said, Amy recommendation of winning the war in your mind. That's like Craig Groeschel. It's a really hard last name to spell. I would probably butcher it. It's like G-O-G-R-O-E-S-C-S-C-H-E-L. Yeah. Yeah. If you put in Craig G, Oklahoma, he's from Oklahoma. He lives in the same town as my mom, actually. Um, winning the war of your mind. Yes. Jenny Allen, get out of your head. Highly recommend that. You'll If you read it, you'll be like, that girl, Erin, got a lot of this stuff from Jenny Allen. <laughs> it's true. Excellent, excellent book. You're welcome. And then I, a classic that I love, um, Telling Yourself the Truth by William Backus. B-A-C-K-U-S. Backus. It's a great book. So... Oh, yes, it's called Telling Yourself the Truth. He has a whole series telling others the truth, telling your parents the truth. I don't know. It's like he has a lot of telling yourself, telling the truth to people, but that one. William Backus, B-A-C-K-U-S. It's hard for me to spell out loud. Okay, guys, that's all I have. Do you have questions? Not that I'm an expert, but happy to help if I can. Okay, if we we'll go with, um, gosh. Terry. Terry? 
Tanner. Tanner. I was like, I don't think it's there. Yes. Uh, this wasn't a question, but this is a verse that the people folk memorized last semester that I thought was really applicable. It's Proverbs 20, verse 5. Uh, it says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, the one who has insight drawn from out. So, so that kind of speaks to helping other people or asking other people to yes. kind of draw those things out. Proverbs 20, verse 5. A great verse. Thank you, Tanner. That was really helpful. Yes, if other people have helpful things, feel free. Share from your experiences. Yes, Brent. How do you best de-escalate your emotions or manage them? I think recognizing that spiral, right? You're like, okay, my emotions. And then that choosing, like, I, I'm angry because of this, so I will choose. It's that second part of choosing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, you rule. Oh, oh, sorry, Victor. Sorry. <laughs> How can one recognize when it's time to seek professional help? Well, that is a really good question. I would probably say that talking to a, a mentor staff member, and they would probably be a good judge of that. Because that's probably a pretty specific question. But I think professional help. I wish I could afford to talk to professional help every week. <laughs> 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 I'm a big proponent of professional help. Yes, I think there's a lot of unearthing and unpacking that are professional. That we as campus ministers are not trained in. And so we want to help you and point you to Jesus, but yeah, there's some things that are just outside of our training. No. I Sorry, what is your question? Um, how to like check yourself if your thoughts are leaking into your behavior and when you're actively trying to make them not affect you. I think that's for your relationship. That's the nature of it, right? So you have to change your thinking in order to change your behavior, right? And so every thought is leaking into our behavior. It's just the nature of how God made us. It would be neat if we could compartmentalize and separate, but we are so integrated beings that yeah. It's just how God made us to be. So that's why you should tell yourself the truth because you act out of what you tell yourself, what you believe, you behave, like that impacts your behavior. So, Grant. Yeah. Um, do you think it would be healthy, like, when you do have, like, those thoughts to yourself and it's affecting your behavior, do you think it would be wise to, like, walk away from, like, whatever you're doing first? Or? Sorry, could you repeat like, the question? Do you think rephrase it, would, it? Yeah, I guess like when it's starting, like your thoughts are starting to like, like spill over into your behavior, do you think it would be wise to like walk away from it or like stop what you're doing? I guess I would need a more specific example. I'm having trouble yeah. following. But yeah, I think if you reckon, if it's something you can step away from and you're not like falling down on your commitments, then yeah. Because sometimes you're right. When we're walking in sin and we're doing things we shouldn't do, then obviously that's impact. We can trace that back to wrong thinking we have about ourselves or about God. I mean, justifying our actions. I can easily justify my actions. I'm the queen of excuses. So, yes. Alan. Um, how do you guess combat, like, I guess, like, when you get labels in the right, you could say, well, circumstances, all of that. Like, an example would be like, I'm a failure. No one told me I'm a failure, but I just felt like that's, you know, no one told me that. <laughs> but I think you are not a failure because you failed the test. So it's distinguishing yourself from what happened. You know, I, my senior year of college, I had to take this journalism law class. There were two tests, and you had to pass this, you had to have a seat in this class to graduate. So a bunch of my friends and I took it in the fall, so in case we failed it in the fall, we could take it again in the spring. <laughs> and I failed the first test. There's two questions. I got a 50 on one, and he just gave me five points for writing my name. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> what are we going to do? And I remember driving to my staff member's house, and I knocked on the door, she was at home, and so I just sat on her porch and cried. <laughs> and thinking those thoughts, you know, like, I am such a failure. I, I can't even graduate college. I've worked this hard, I can't graduate college. But no, it's, it, that's not who I am. That's not what God says about me. God says you're a masterpiece. There's no one like you, Adam Lovett. If he created you with purpose and intentionality, he will redeem and use this. Now, but you are not defined by a test. 
and by a GPA or by an internship projection or anything else. So yes, separating that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to one of the one of the first questions or the second question that Taylor was asked, but in sort of recognizing wrong thought patterns, there are some thought patterns that I myself just like to sit. I know they're wrong, but they're kind of nice to wallow in self-pity sometimes. <laughs> so how do you how do you recognize not just that this is wrong, but also then encourage yourself or help other people to help you encourage you to then actually break those thought patterns that sometimes we like to sit in. I think we are all guilty of that. I know I am. It's like, I just want to sit and have a moment right with me, <laughs> embrace the day or whatever it is. But I think that remembering that that's not how God wants me to live. And that's not the abundant life that, that Jesus died so that I could live either. And so it's that choice. I'm exhausted. I'm fed up with whatever. But I will choose not to dwell on this, but choose joy. Choose gratitude. I think gratitude is an antidote to so many things. I'm grateful that I have a job that enables me to get so much time with people who I love, even when it's frustrating and it's hard and it's painful. Like, that God is at work, even when I can't see it. Reminding myself of truth. Like, I can't see what God's doing right now, but he is always working. And so bringing it back to who God is again and again and again. Because we are so limited in our perspective, right? Like, we see the sliver. I don't know about you. I see a sliver, and I, like, write the end of the story. This is how it's all going to end. I'm going to fail out of college. I will move back with my parents, which I guess is normal for your generation. It was not normal for my generation. And it was just going to be the end of the world, right? Like, I had written that story. My life was going to be over. And because when I went to school, nobody moved back home. We all left. Like, that was like, you go to college, you're done. And so, yeah, Alan, I wrote that in my pity party. What's, what's going to happen? How do I explain this to people? You know? I went off to the big city and I couldn't make it. And I, was like, <laughs> I grew up in a really tiny town. Um, so I was like, everybody's going to know I'm a failure. It'll probably make the daily news. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like Gillum girl back to the <laughs> That spiral. That spiral is real, right? So you gotta exit the spiral. Okay, I'm spiraling now. I gotta exit this. And I can only exit this with God's help and by His grace and with His strength because sometimes the spiral's a lot of fun just wallowing in it. Rachel. And I think like that remembering that a lot of times there's like are found even lies that are like comfortable lies for us, but that like lies do come from Satan. And like and that those can seem very like innocent, but that like that is how we can like get a grip in your mind. I think a lot of times they feel very like innocent. You're like, this is like a little self-destructive, but like I know what I'm doing to myself. But a lot of times we're not just doing it to ourselves, we're allowing like yeah. into our minds. I don't know if that like that's great. Change the space a little bit for me, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the enemy wants us to live in that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how do you help someone who comes to you who's struggling with thoughts? How do you personally help them? I think that grid thing is really helpful to begin to identify the thoughts and grab the thought, you know, and then choose. Those kinds of things are really helpful. I also think just asking them, who told you that? That's a really good question. Just asking them questions and helping them in kind of self-discovery process and then maybe say, Hey, if you'd ever like to, you know, learn some things that I learned, you know, I'd love to pass on to you. I read this great book. Maybe we could read it together. Because were you one of the ones that read the book over Christmas? So, hey, you got a great resource there. Yeah. Yes, Daniel. Yeah, is there a difference in approach for people who process things internal versus external? I'm an external processor. Are you an external processor? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What does Alan say you are? Internal. Internal? Yeah, I believe that. 
I mean, I think it's it's pretty much the same. I think the webbing maybe would be even more helpful maybe for someone like you. Because someone like me then wants to talk about it with someone else. And maybe you're just good with the webbing. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's one thing about your 20s is I really feel like your 20s are this decade where you get to know yourself. You get to know like how God created you and how you're wired and what kind of fills your tank and what depletes you and what kind of a processor you are and all this stuff. So your 20s are a, a really fun decade where you get to know yourself pretty well. So some of you may be like, I don't know what I am either. You will soon discover. Or maybe ask a friend. <laughs> they can probably help you. Like, you're definitely external. Do you know how much time I spend listening to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any other questions? Questions? Yes. So, bouncing off of this question, so how, like, when you think about that diagram internally, how, like, I don't know how to say um, how should we go about that internally without actually adding to that spiral? I don't know that I understand your question. Yeah, I'm very. So, are you saying you not to do the webbing? No, no, more of like when you think of the spiral and you try to, like, figure out what's, like, causing the, like kind of like both like the grid and the spiral when you try to identify like who told us that but in the process of asking ourselves those questions it leads to like going off track and like oh wait where did this come from oh where did this come from it's like kind of like getting zigzag questions i guess sorry i'm an internal process <laughs> 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 questions and just like not getting into them. Oh, okay. Sorry. Or do you want to internally yeah. answer or externally? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so something, something that helps me is to just kind of have solitude and silence. Like I've, I've started doing this more. I guess it's a lot during COVID especially. It's just taking time out. I call it staring at trees. I think there's probably a <laughs> but, but I think it like having that stillness to just kind of calm your mind and quiet your mind and like focus on like specific things that are bothering you or that are on your mind, I think that really helps. Thanks, Daniel. Anybody else want to add things? Like you guys share with each other what was worked for you or what? Yes, do you have that or just adjustment? Okay. Um, I don't know if it's really applicable to what we're talking about, but um, my therapist has been talking to me saying like we should start out your day being thankful for mm-hmm. these three things. Now, of course, we should be thankful for God every single day and what He's done in our lives. But just finding those three things, it starts your day out right mentally. Yeah. Um, sorry, lost track of thought. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it guarantees your mental health for sure. Of course, we can't anticipate what's going to happen. Right. But it's a great way to start yourself positive. Start yourself in a good attitude. A hundred percent, yeah. Did you guys hear that? Starting your day with gratitude. Just thinking three things. Like when the alarm goes off and you're like pushing snooze and semi consciousness, (laughs) you know. And even when you're fully awake, just being really grateful for God. I think that's one of the things that can really help you exit the spiral, too. Like, my friends are driving me crazy, but at least I have friends. <laughs> I have friends. I have friends, yes. At least. One thing that somebody over there was saying that I just realized, like, you were talking about, um, like, when you're in that spiral, like, kind of, like, getting out of it. I, like, my spirals usually look kind of dramatic, like... I just get like really, really upset and like emotional and worked up physically. So typically I just have to like stop thinking and like go do the dishes uh-huh. or something like that. Like Elizabeth Elliot in her book, a couple of books always says like, just do the next right thing. Yeah. And that helps me a lot when I'm like, can't, because often I have to like calm down before I can do this, like think about what's going on in my life. So like just finding some way to like de-escalate more physically rather than just laying on the couch and like looking on Instagram. Right. It usually makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. Social media usually makes everything worse. Yeah. We should be thankful that we're in a social media free zone this yeah. week. So yeah. Yeah. But that's a great thing. It's like, okay, I just need to re- like, well, maybe what, that was kind of what you were talking about. G. Yeah. Like remove yourself from the situation. And yeah. I'm going to, and sometimes with the dishes, like I'm going to do something that I can see 
progress. Mm-hmm. I, it's gonna, there's going to be a complete... Some of you may have so many dishes, you may not even get to the completion of them. <laughs> but for most people, it's like, okay, I can do this task and then it's done and I can see that I accomplished something today. Yeah. That's really good. Other thoughts? Yes. Well, I don't, oh, that's actually, I went to a training in that, a national in May, and that's like you were saying, your generation specifically really struggles with identifying emotions. And so she recommended the emotion wheel. And you can Google it, and it's like this wheel of emotions, and it goes through like the red zone, like these different colors of emotions. And sometimes just reading through what different emotions are can help you, okay, that's what I'm feeling. But that is something that has been researched about your generation, is it, it is more challenging for you guys to actually figure out this is the emotion I'm feeling. Yes, Sam. Um, how do you differentiate between recognizing like an emotional spiral where you're having an emotional reaction to something that's something you should exit and try and kind of like, be like okay, I need to grab myself a truth versus like a time of grief or loss where thoughts may come and they may be true, like recognizing a loss, but there's still that like similar that could be somewhat, like some could consider an emotional spiral, but others would say that's okay to sit in with others as well. So how would you differentiate those? Does that make sense as a question? Or would you say they're the same? Well, I, I'm not trained enough to know, and I would think it'd be very person by person. Mm-hmm. I think grief definitely does take a lot of time, um, but at the same time, I think sitting in grief. So, how long do you have you sat in it enough? Like, okay, it's been a week, it's been two years, it's been ten years, and so I think inviting other people in who've lost and who can walk with you through that because. Um, a lot of that is personal for how, how people are wired. And, and also, I think the contributing factor is how that person died. You know? Um, it's a very sudden, or were there months and years of just waiting for that? There's, there's a lot of personal aspects of that, but I think we can easily let emotions dictate our lives, and that's not how God intended for us to live. Like, we, emotions should be like the check engine light in your car when it comes on you're like okay there's something wrong under the hood we gotta figure this out i can't keep driving this car it shouldn't be the thing like the google maps it's telling you where to go right and so letting the emotions be the indicator and rather than just in the driver's seat does that help at all yeah I'm like, kind of all over the place any other questions or thoughts or things that have helped been helpful for you guys that you want to share I don't know. Well, thank you guys for coming. It was a joy to have you. Thanks for listening to the Spring Break 2022 season of the USC Christian Challenge podcast. Catch up on and review the rest of the sessions right here on all of your favorite podcast platforms and leave us a review if you'd please. Get involved and find out more about us, weekly small groups, and upcoming events like this Spring Break Retreat on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com. 